Welcome to our Thought Leadership Interview Series. I'm Brandon Cooper, the Chief Risk Officer here at Venminder. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Amy Hanna-Keeney. Amy is a regulatory and litigation attorney with Adams & Reese LLP in Atlanta, Georgia. She has practiced in the consumer financial space for most of her career. In fact, she graduated from law school about a month before Dodd-Frank was signed into law, so she's been watching the CFPB ever since its inception. Amy handles litigation and counsels banks and financial services companies in the consumer financial space, and recently, in light of the increased regulatory scrutiny surrounding consumer data collection, she became a Certified Information Privacy Professional, or a CIPP. Welcome aboard, Amy. Thanks, Brandon. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to speak with you again. As you know, you and I have done a webinar before, and I really enjoyed that, and I thought it would be a great opportunity to get back together and talk a little bit about some of what's transpired over recent months. I guess the biggest question that comes to mind is your perspective on, have there been any real surprises in the uh, Mulvaney area at the, at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, or now known as the BF, BCFP, the Bureau yeah. of Consumer Financial Protection, acronym soup for me? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to continue to stick with CFPB that's just because that's what I know. Um, and it's funny because I was kind of thinking about thinking about last week and sitting here and preparing some comments that we could talk about for uh, today's piece. And I, it dawned on me that Mulvaney has only really been the leader of the CFPB for a little bit over six months, which kind of just struck me in a weird way because it, it just seems like a lot longer than that, <laughs> honestly. Um, but to answer your question, no, I don't know that there have been any big surprises for me. This is kind of on par with what I would have expected from a Republican administration, not to mention the Cordray CFPB had really been extremely active in the supervisory space and the rulemaking space and the enforcement space. They really were in almost in hyperdrive, if you want to put it that way. And so bringing in Mulvaney really pumped the brakes on what the CFP was, CFPB was doing, which is about what I expected. And honestly, that's, I think, well, I know his goal. And I, I and they appear to be angling to have somebody replace uh, Mulvaney who shares a very similar platform or, um, or I can't tell if they're, if their strategy is really to low role a new director so that Mulvaney can stay for as long as possible, possibly into 2020 if they play their cards right. But um, to answer your question, no, I don't think that there have been any big, huge surprises. Yeah, um, this is about what I expected. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, again, I think the gamesmanship as to, uh, you know, the potential new director uh, coming in, I think a lot of that's going to be how, how long do they want to drag it out, how long do the nominations take, and all the political implications, but setting all that aside, you know, I agree with you. I, I don't think we've really seen anything that's been all that surprising. Uh, maybe the, the dismantling of the Consumer Advisory Board, you know, kind of struck a lot of people uh, as, as odd. But mm -hmm. we certainly haven't seen things that would uh, indicate there's any trickle-down relief for people in the day-to-day -day compliance functions or third-party risk management functions, certainly. Yeah, agreed. And it's not like the CFPB has done nothing since Mulvaney um, became the leader of it, for instance, they, they have done, they have issued some rules. They haven't been completely inactive on the rulemaking side. For instance, I know they did stick to their word and they did fix the TRID black hole, which I know a lot of people were very happy to see. Um, that's just something that comes to mind immediately. It's, it, it's not as though the CFPB has been sitting on its hands for seven months. There has been some activity. 
There has been, and, and certainly they've been a lot more transparent in a lot of their activity and, and issuing out you know, requests for information and public input on a whole variety of topics. So I, I do think that that's all good indications that they are interested in really you know, trying to make the agency uh, perform as, uh, you know, as, as intended and as, you know, and we'll have to see how it plays out. I mean, from a political perspective, I'll stay out of it. Uh, but, you know, it's always interesting to see how these things shake out. What do you think, you know, just longer term, what does the CFPB uh, pullback mean in terms of long-term uh, activity? Well, you know, that's, that's really anybody's guess or perspective. I, I get that question a lot from my clients because, you know, a lot of my clients will say, well, does this mean we don't really have to worry about the CFPB? And my answer is always no, that's not what that means. I think that the CFPB is always going to be a presence. I think that it's a long way from being completely dismantled. I could be wrong, but I think it's a long way from being completely dismantled. Um, not to mention, even if you don't, if you're not, if the CFPB does not continue to be a threat to your organization, there are other regulators and there are state regulators that you might need to be concerned about. And a lot, there's been a lot of speculation that now that the state attorneys general and the FTC are kind of seeing that the CFPB is pulling back and that doesn't appear to be changing anytime soon that maybe state attorneys general and state regulators and the FTC will start and maybe perhaps the OCC will start maybe ramping up a little bit of their activity that they had let be a little bit dormant because the CFPB was such a force to be reckoned with for such a long time. Um, yeah. So just because the CFPB maybe isn't what it used to be doesn't mean that you don't have to be concerned about regulation in the consumer financial space. Oh, certainly not. And, and you know, I, I've been around longer than the CFPB. <laughs> um, and, I, <laughs> uh, you know, even if we dial back the clock and take the CFPB somehow magically out of the equation, you still have to be worried about your, worried about, concerned with your prudential regulators and, and what they might think. And also, I mean, the Conference of State Bank Supervisors, the CSBS, has been pretty vocal about saying, you know, if, if the CFPB does dial back, uh, you know, we're all prepared to step in, and you you would expect that of states like New York and California, Massachusetts, that tend to be, you know, sort of on the lookout and, and ready to jump in on these things. So it will be really, really interesting to see what happens. But I don't think now is time to take a deep breath and say, wow, it's it's all over. We don't have to worry about uh, consumer protection uh, anymore. Uh, I, I think that would be an unwise decision on anybody's part. Correct. You know, I agree. You know, one of the areas I'd really love to get your perspective on, knowing that you are really one of the industry experts on UDAP or unfair, deceptive, or abusive acts or practices, for those of you who aren't as familiar with it, Amy really is one of the industry experts out there. Do you think there are going to be fewer UDAP-based enforcement actions in, in the new era? That's kind of a tough question. I get that one a lot, too. Uh, yes and no. Uh, I think that we are going to see fewer enforcement actions that are based solely on allegations that a, an institution is participating in unfair, deceptive, or abusive acts. I don't think that that's going to go away entirely, though. I do see uh, other, regular, other regulators, and I also see the CFPB, still continuing to come after fraudulent activity. And I also continue, and, and that's and that's going to continue to be a problem for institutions because the definition of fraud is very much a, I, it's still a broad, I know it when I see it type definition, which is really hard for, and you, you know this more than anyone, Brandon, it's really hard for institutions to guard against that because you don't necessarily know what a regulator will ultimately will or will not consider fraudulent activity. Um, so I, I don't see, I do see fewer solely, unfair, deceptive, abusive-based 
enforcement actions, which is good that institutions can take a sigh of relief there. But fraudulent activity is fraudulent activity. And at its core, I think that's the CFPB's mission is to protect consumers against blatant fraud. And that's that's something that's, that's a regulatory threat that's never going to go away. So to answer your question, yes and no. It, it's interesting because, uh, again, the uh, one of my big concerns ever since UDAP, the one with two A's rather than the FTC UDAP with one A, came out uh, – was you know the lack of uh, clarity around what a, the extra A for abusive truly means, and you know this whole idea of regulating through enforcement action makes it very difficult. And, I, and I've been in that position many times of having to try to explain to senior management or to the board, you know, you know, here here are the guidelines we need to follow. It's really easy, or not easy, but at least there's clarity when you have to uh, follow by exactly what's written in one of the consumer protection regulations. You know, you look at Reg B, ECOA, and think about here's what I need to do almost step by step in a lot of cases. Um, you think about UDAP, and you get to that troublesome extra A, and you go, I'm not sure exactly what it means. And, and you know, this whole we know it when we see it, as you referred to, makes it very difficult to tell, you know, management, here's where that, uh, you know, line of demarcation is, the one you really don't want to step over. It makes it very difficult. So if there is any good news coming out of the CFPB, and, and maybe it's ideas about how they're going to revamp enforcement actions and how they're going to take a, another look at some of the uh, guidance that's out there, I really do hope they will put – uh, you know, some sort of definition around around the abusive standard. Yeah, agreed. I don't know if we can expect that, but uh, I I think that would be extremely helpful. Yeah, call me the eternal optimist on that one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so finally, I guess one one final question: What do you think are going to be the new hot topics for the uh, the new BF BCFB or CFPB or whatever their uh, acronym is this week? <laughs> Yeah, it it hurts my brain to say BCFP. I always have to pause, and then I'm I'm working it out of my brain. So I'm just going to stick with CFPB until it, it becomes unprofessional to do so. I haven't hit that point yet. Um, hot topics for the new CFPB. I think fintech is going to continue to be a hot topic. Um, I really think aggregation of consumer financial data is going to be huge in the next couple of years. We know that the EU has taken a really aggressive stance on privacy of consumer data. They just passed the GDPR, which went into effect um, less than a month ago. We know that that's, it's happening in the world. It hasn't quite hit the U.S. yet, but it's happening. And I think financial services institutions are going to be very targeted if that reform ever hits the U.S. because financial services companies aggregate a lot of really sensitive consumer data. Um, and it's interesting, too, because one of, well, now we know one of the CFPB's last, one of their actions that they took in their, in the last month of the Cordray CFPB in October of 2017, they issued consumer protection principles about what financial services companies can be doing to properly safeguard consumer data, to make sure that they're getting informed consent from consumers before they're using that data, that sort of thing. And I think that you know, in light of some of the things that are going on in the news, particularly the Equifax breach of last year, I think that the regulators are really going to start paying a lot more attention to what institutions, industry, not industry-specific even, just institutions nationwide are doing with consumer data. And obviously, financial institutions are going to be a hotbed for that type of reform. Um, so that's one thing I think that's going to be hot in the next couple of years. The other thing I think is going to be kind of an area of hot development is the Fair Credit Reporting Act. 
Um, I think that the CFPB, like I said earlier, is maybe going to pull away a little bit from enforcement of the UDOT provision solely. But I do think that they are going to continue pursuing violations of a lot of the other statutes. In particular, I think the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And in particular, I think because of a lot of the things that are going on with some of the bigger consumer reporting agencies like the Equifax breach last year. I think now if you if you work for an institution that can be considered a consumer reporting agency or a data furnisher under the FICRA, now would be a very good time to take a look at your policies and procedures and make sure that they are in compliance with the Fair Credit Reporting Act because I think this is going to be an area of considerable regulation in the next couple of years. Um, and to that point, actually last week, I believe it was, the CFPB publicized a uh, settlement with Security Group Inc. and several of the alleged violations had to do with FICRA and and um, its corresponding regulations. So that's just a prediction of mine, but I, I think the FICRA is going to start being a hot topic for uh, regulators. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on, on both of those. I mean, GDPR, I think, is kind of the the wake-up call that uh, a lot of people aren't paying enough attention to. You know, we think that it's just the EU regulation, and it really isn't. I mean, if, if you're a U.S. company that in any way is uh, handling European uh, data, you need to think about it. You also need to think about it if you're doing business with a European-based company who may be, uh, you know, outright or inadvertently sharing information with you uh, that may fall under the GDPR guidelines. So ever since May 25th, I know a lot of people are, are quickly scrambling to say, okay, what you know, what does this mean to us? I also totally agree with you on, on FICRA. I mean, ever since uh, the Equifax scandal uh, broke, I think it's it's kind of been sort of that concentric circles approach of the uh, the impact kind of spreading out and spreading out and spreading out. And I think uh, fair credit is just a natural uh, place for it, for it to go. And I think, as you said, just the recent uh, pronouncements on it uh, give, give a good indication they are going to be spending some time there. One other area that I do think they're going to spend some time on um, from a CFPB perspective is on debt collection practices, which you know often do have third-party implications. I think that's going to continue to be a you know a hot topic. We've certainly seen that in recent months, and I don't think that's going away uh, certainly anytime soon. Agreed. Amy, I really appreciate it. Any final thoughts before we wrap up today? No, it's uh, it's been an interesting couple of months under the Mulvaney B CFP, and I still did it again. I had to pause and I put those letters in order. Um, it's been an interesting couple of months, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see the process that they go through to try to name Mulvaney's replacement. So I'm looking forward to finishing out 2018 with just coming into work every day and looking up what happened <laughs> at the CFPB and just in for a wild ride, I guess. That's, that's probably the best way to summarize it. We're definitely uh, we're in the middle of a wild roller coaster ride. We'll have to see how it turns out, and hopefully we stay on the rails. Well, thank you again, Amy, uh, for joining us in this session and to everybody else who's tuning in. And please do be on the lookout for future interviews in this series. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.